This episode of Good Sheilas is proudly brought to you by a brilliant lady startup, Radiant Soul Yoga. Founded and run by our wonderful Sheila, Danny, Radiant Soul has a dedicated online platform for yoga practice that is authentic, warm, and balanced. There's room to laugh, release our ISO range, and show up in being totally safe and ragged trackies rather than Lululemon. Mm-hmm. Online yoga means your body can make all the noises it's capable of. Good. So if ISOs left you with a limp personality like Claire's and a weathered <laughs> body like Bronze, get stuck into their online courses. If you're a beginner, expecting a baby, an experienced yogi, or want to introduce yoga to the kids, Radial Soul has a course for you. Yes, someone can teach our kids. Finally. <laughs> Good Sheila's listeners get a massive 20% off by entering Good Sheila's at checkout for all of September. Ooh. Check out our Instagram for all the details. Fun fact about Bron. When Lucas proposed to her on a Tasmanian mountain, he knew that Bron's views about marriage were grim. <laughs> Teary-eyed and mildly terrified, he said, will you be my life partner? And she responded, what are you trying to say? Exactly. <laughs> and he explained his intentions. She said, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Looked at the ring, closed the box, and gave it back to him. Oh, what's the most romantic day of our lives? Pure romance. <laughs> that's why I've been married for 25 years. <laughs> Oh, it was a confusing day for both of us. We didn't know what we were doing. And he's still your boyfriend. He's, yeah, we're not getting married. No way. It's cancelled. <laughs> oh, the ring was horrific. <laughs> it was the worst ring. <laughs> I remember you showed it to me and I was like, oh no. It was a bad one. <laughs> Sheila's, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for good Sheila's. Hello, mate. Hi. How are you going? I'm very, very good. Brilliant. Gorgeous. I'm married. <laughs> you are. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm definitely not. <laughs> How's your marriage? Oh, you know. <laughs> what, a great, what a great institution. It's so perfect. I'm very, very glad that I'm married and also divorced. Am I divorced? No, I'm not. Not yet. I'm still married. Not. Sucked in. Oh, I am so jealous. It I'm, looks so it's, nice. It's so relaxing. <laughs> yeah, everyone should do it. <laughs> your wedding was nice, though, by the way. It was really, really tasteful. Oh, you know. Look, I feel like I was 12 years old and I look back at the photos and I just don't feel like it was nice. Mine? Does that make sense? Like, I look at what I was wearing. It was yours. It was. was mine. Are you sure? (laughs) I look back at the photos and do you remember I bought a dress online, a secondhand dress, and it came and it was too short. And so it hovered at this weird kind of length just above my ankles and I was pregnant and... Yeah, I was wearing these really strange shoes and everything, I don't know, it just, it just, I, and I was, I, everything about my aesthetic, everything, it was just not me. 
So you have forgotten that wonderful moment with, um, before you got that dress, you ordered one online, so oh, you yes. just sent to a, a lady in the internet <laughs> your, like, story, like, like your, a go-around, like, your measurements, <laughs> and you, like, I think you just sent, like, a design address, and you're like, this is exactly what I want, I'm not meeting you in person, I have no doubt you'll pull this off, and the lady was like, definitely give me a thousand dollars, and you were like, 100%, I will give that, and then you gave her the money, and then it came in the mail, and you came to my flat at the time you were like I have to open this with you and I'll try it on and you have to give me an honest one thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair deal I actually would have paid a thousand dollars to see that because you put it on and we both knew it was not a good dress. it was not a good dress and we were like oh oh no <laughs> And you put on, you looked in the mirror for a second. You're like, "This is not good." And I was like, "It is not good." Close the box. Give it back to him. <laughs> Marriage is off. <laughs> so the dress you ended up in was much nicer, but it was still like a secondhand dress. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I did it wrong. I did the. Whole... What's right? I don't know. Not if, doing if it. I yeah, not doing it. But also, if I was ever going to get married again, which I'm not, I would wear like a sequined like sequined no like a sequined jumpsuit like mm. a, within like a wild like bright pink or something mm. and actually look like myself yeah and not have a man there just get married to myself <laughs> that's great it's beautiful exactly maybe I we should have a divorce party yeah it sounds great can Wally come <laughs> no <laughs> he's catering <laughs> good cook we love you wally thanks wally we should yeah thanks for still editing the podcast even though we're divorced or married i don't know what we are anymore (laughs) so what's been going on with you what has the week been like for you mate well on monday my little friddle mad bish Mm. turned two she did she turned two and so i've been thinking a lot about her tiny life and and reflecting i've actually felt a lot of regret this week because as you know Mm. i went back to work when she was 13 weeks old. Yeah. And the last two years have been a rush and there have been a lot of change and a lot of really, really challenging times. And I feel like I've missed out a lot on her. And I wonder if the reason that she's so angry is that <laughs> because of what the last two years have been like. Because she, yeah, because you neglected her, you're trying to say. And she caused our divorce, you know, so yeah. she should feel bad. She, she is a monster. She broke up the marriage. <laughs> But we, it was a strange thing that a lot of you would have had lockdown birthdays. It was one of those strange days where we had a couple of park plays legally. You know, we saw you guys at the park and ate some gluten-free cupcakes from Woolworths because only the best. But, yes. yeah. But, it she, was, but she had no idea what was going on. She never does. No, no clue. Thank God. She's only tiny. And that night I, um, I drank almost a whole bottle of champagne by myself and cried. So that was cool. That is literally all you do. I know. It doesn't matter whose birthday it is. <laughs> it's somebody's birthday today. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> feeling so <laughs> Oh, God. So now I don't have a baby anymore. I've got a two-year-old and a six-year-old, and I'm a single mum. So that's great. Everything is great. Everything no, is great. But honestly, two is a great age. It's I love It's really two. cute. She's Everyone got so that, many words. Yeah. You know what? The new tiny babies are just too much work. No, okay? they are too much work. Too much They're work. so hard. They're really hard. I wouldn't want to be doing that right now. <laughs> no, but if you are, good for you. And, good for you. We're, we're so sorry. Yeah, yeah. but it, one day they'll turn two, and you too can buy them Woolworths gluten-free cupcakes. And you too are a band with Bono. <laughs> <laughs> How about 
about you, Bev? How's your week been? Uh, okay, okay, so Edie went back to daycare oh. after months and months and months and months and months of not being there, just at home with Olive and I, and she uh, went on Monday and Wednesday and was fine, and then today, last night, she cried herself to sleep. Oh, buddy. And I was like, what the heck? And this is, she doesn't cry much. This is a, no, like, she's, she's a, a real really s- resilient little kid. Yeah, you can forget her. She's just so silent and just potters around and plays by herself. She's the best. And we, and then she cried herself to sleep last night because she didn't want to go. Oh, and then this no. morning, she bawled her eyes out. The second she woke up, she came out and saw her lunchbox was already made and it was oh. on the bench. And she lost it again. And then we had to do this horrible thing, which we haven't done. I don't know, in years. Olive used to do this almost every single time we went to daycare. So I was so used to it then. It still hurt. But it really hurts with Edie because it's just not what she does. She was doing that thing where when you're leaving a room, like you're trying to go to daycare, but as you try to leave the room, she's like holding on to the door frame. Oh, and just sweet. like I know, Like I was dragging her to her death. Like it was just... <laughs> Not the lion's mum. <laughs> I was like, and all of a sudden, you know, your brain goes into overdrive. You're like, what is going on a date? Is she getting bullied? Is someone being mean to her? Which which teacher's being mean? Which is all just irrational. Of course, no one's being mean to her. I mean, I'm just saying, like, what is? Why are you scared? It's just her. The, her reason was because it's boring. Oh, and I'm sweetie. Like, There's no one boring. more boring than your mum. <laughs> That's right. But I was like, everything's boring. Like, what is... And so I tried to, like, sell the day with Olive. I was like, Olive and I are just having a really boring day. And Olive was looking at me just like, what? I'm like, we are doing nothing, actually. We're just going to learn how to read again. And he's like, oh. But it was devastating. And I, I forgot how much that hurt. And I reckon there'd be heaps of parents right now sending their kids back to daycare. Or even, like, in a couple of weeks in Victoria, we're sending our kids back to school. And kids, because they're so tiny, we forget how little they are. It's, you know, like there are kids who will be fine in like term one, then they'll have two weeks at home with their folks, and then they'll go back to, uh, term, to start term two and then just be an absolute hot mess. And you think, oh, God, that kid, like they're, they're huge. Like they're six, but it's like six is they're still so teeny little. So we, I reckon there's... Um, whole lot of trauma coming. Yeah, whole lot of trauma coming. I reckon everyone just needs to be really... Um, really mindful of what the kids are about to go through and also what you're about to go through if your kids like really not feeling pumped about going to school they're not the only one and we I think it's like finding ways to like finding ways like today I'm Olive and I having a date day gonna go get takeaway and sit in the park cute tape pingers exactly we're going to get um, (laughs) strobe lights (laughs) happening at the park it's gonna be huge But I think if everyone just prepares for this for the next stage of lockdown, which is less lockdown, which is actually just as terrifying for these little people as it is. This has just the been a year. What a time. So confusing. What a time to be alive. In other times than our times, the US presidential debates have kicked off, haven't they, Bronwyn? <laughs> yeah, they were so funny. So good. I needed to laugh that night so badly, and I just laughed and laughed and laughed. How perfect for the most powerful country in the world, that they are <laughs> laughing stock. So Chris Wallace, the Fox News journalist who's seen as one of the good blokes, which is a bit messed up, uh, moderated the first debate between Joe Biden and President Donald Trump, and it was a bit of a hot mess, wasn't it? Was, it was such a hot mess. There was one journalist who described it. He was like, "It is that debate was a bin fire in a train wreck in a climate crisis." <laughs> oh my I, was like, God. I was like, "Oh my God, it totally was." It's like there was it, just when you thought it couldn't get worse. 
it just got worse. It was amazing. And I'm kind of, I'm divided. I, I don't, I, I still can't make up my mind if, if Trump's like a political genius or like an unhinged psychopath or he's it's just got dementia. He's definitely, I don't know how he's done but I think it's a thing of like, if you were confident enough, hmm. you can sell it. Like yeah. you're just like, oh, well, what? of course I win. Like his face, his smug, wobbly face. His $60,000 a year haircut. No. Tax returns. So in the last week, his tax returns were leaked and he spends $60,000 a year on that hair. Isn't that just obscene? It's like orange smoke. It is. It's horrendous. But what, what is really interesting coming out of the debate is the polls. Mm. So it depends on who you're looking to, right? The ultra-conservatives said that Trump did a great job, whereas the more left-leaning news um, news. Um, news agencies what is what is life <laughs> said that um, Biden did a better job than Trump uh, but the divide is really interesting CNN oh god I'm just having a stroke I'm having a stroke um, 60% of debate watchers said Biden did a better job where 28% said Trump did whereas Breitbart which is not news it's just an intense right wing dump fire said that 87% of respondents said that Trump won the debate. Yeah, which is really interesting because I watched most, watched some of it and then I went over the highlights and I don't know whether the news source, it could have been CNN and then and then and then could have. Just the highlights, but they all were just like, neither of them did particularly well, but Trump was just so obnoxious. He just, um, he just railroads, doesn't he? He yeah, doesn't so, let you speak. Yeah, he doesn't let you speak. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Oh my God, it's just, the, the, obviously the best bit was when Biden said, "Will you shut up, man?" Yeah, and it was like that was it was so. But as he said that, Trump was like, "But you shut up, and I'm gonna talk, and that's final." It's like little kids, little did, teeny kids. Did you see Hillary Clinton on? So, so somebody said um, it would have been so great if Hillary was permitted to say that to him mm. in her debates. Um, but of course she couldn't because she was a woman and she would have been just blasted for it. Mm. And Hillary tweeted back, you have no idea. Yeah, I did see that. That was so Because <sighs> she did. And you were saying before that the stats were really similar between the debate with Trump and Hillary. Yeah, that's right. The stats are really similar on the same um, news. <laughs> but it's really, it's, it's a bit troubling to see that um, that the same polls uh, reflected the same kind of um, breakdown between winners and losers. And he lost all of the debates to Hillary and won the White House anyway, despite three million popular votes going to Hillary. The bit that I thought was really interesting is when um, he was so Trump was confronted about like uh, the the white supremacists and how a lot of his followers, a lot of his supporters, are white supremacists, and he, they were saying like, "Can you please condemn these?" Just like, say the they're sexist speech. shit, yeah, right? Yeah, and not so, hard. And then he said the way he said, "Proud boys." Stand back, stand down, which is just this weird fucking like military terminology that he's using to it's people. It's an actual think, group. Yeah, Probably, they, yeah. These, these gross guys think they are soldiers fighting a cause, and the cause is just against anyone who's They're not. They're taking white. our guns. <laughs> oh <my laughs> it's just so fucked up. And then these, and then Proud Boys changed their slogan on their um uh, to stand back, stand down, as in like we are like we're, he still needs us. We're waiting. Waiting for him to say, and so it was, and like even even that, it's like, oh, how is this not being kind of classified as hate speech when he's just saying, like he's directly speaking to Proud Boys, stand back, stand down, not stop doing it, you fucking idiots. Like, yeah. It's just, it was, and so it was. I don't know. It was a it was a hot mess, 
And it was so 2020. It like. was so 2020 and there's two more to go, plus Kamala Harris debating Mike Pence, which is going to be fascinating because, as you know, she's a former prosecutor. What is happening Did to she me? Did she work at CNN? She and she is so articulate, unlike me, and so wildly clever. And Mike Pence is like just one lonely testicle and also a man. <laughs> so watching that debate will be extremely enjoyable but I just I don't feel a whole lot of hope right now I just I feel a little bit despondent because we know how this went last time and it didn't matter yeah exactly and also it doesn't matter what either of them say if you've already you know we talked about social media you go you find an um you find like a um like an echo chamber yeah just like you find someone who is um, going to agree with you, and uh, tr- Trump is like, you know, this their person that they, they, all these people have just fought and fought and fought and fought and fought for. And then he's like, okay, great. And so anything he says now, they have to believe in. They absolutely have to believe in because it's this kind of dictatorship now where it's like they've sold their soul for this. They've all got Trump like mm. signed pickets on their on their fence and so whatever he says they have to be like definitely exactly and then the narrative is so embedded it's like school shootings are like a, a left-wing fabrication and also um you know all these black lights lives matter protesters they're thugs and they're violent and nobody's actually been shot by the police this is all just a gigantic left-wing myth and when you buy into something so strongly and so so loudly it's really really impossible to back down right because you've been you've shown your colors You've shown your leanings and stepping away just isn't an option, which is why I think it's really impossible to talk about this movable middle, although I know that they exist. Extracting them and changing their mind, like just like any kind of you know extreme ideology, would be would be impossible right impossible. now. Impossible. Impossible. So everyone's made up their minds. These these um, debates are just for comedy now. Yes, they're comedy debates. Exactly, it's comedic. <laughs> it's, very, it's comedic time for all. Comedic is a word that means something funny. <laughs> So when we say something funny, we will let you know by saying that was comedic. It's a good, it's a, it's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> what else is happening in the news, mate? Oh, mate. So uh, there's been a man who's going to be Australian of the Year. Perfect. He's, he's going to be the next Bachelor. Yes, he is so incredible. And his name is Thomas McGurk. Thank you. It's a perfect name for perfect fuckwit. Yeah. So let's, let's build the context. This year, approximately 4.5 million Australians use dating apps to get lucky and find love. It's now the second most popular way in the world to find a partner. Um, and it's whether in the heart or the sack, there's a website for everybody. Exactly. So sites are everywhere. There's huge. I've not been... I amazingly dodged it. So you're not on Ashley Madison, is what you're telling me, Bron. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that one obviously, but I'm not, I'm not. So we've all heard of Tinder, Bumble, Grindr, eHarmony, and OkCupid. But some are more niche. There are sites for people who like beards. Hi. People who have food allergies. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and also a whole range of passion-based websites from Star Trek fans. Not Hi. <laughs> To people who like ninjas. Also not me. This is just, I'm so glad I'm this just like the bars full of dickheads we used where we used to hang out we used to oh my god remember we were cool never online dating is also full of absolute dickheads just how dreadful it can be was in the news last week where a rejected Sydney man went full terrifying misogynist on a 26-year-old woman. Ebony Sanderson met Thomas McGurk on Tinder. They chatted for a bit, met in person once, and then she declined to have sex with him. How dare she? And in response, 
He blew up her phone with furious voice and text messages, calling her a disgusting fucking fat pig and an ugly time-wasting whore. Wow. What I find particularly fascinating and troubling about this is Ebony's statement. She said that she felt guilty turning him down and despite the initial abuse, apologised and reassured him that he was attractive and likeable. Oh my god, she had to. So even when we're being showered with abuse, we still feel like we need to apologise for letting a bloke down. So this bloke's employer was told of his conduct and in an excellent show of corporate responsibility, fired him immediately. Good. Yeah, so good. His employer said there was no place in in our workplace for someone who treats women with that amount of disrespect. Thomas released a statement on Thursday saying, I didn't mean the things I said. I was acting out in an impulsive way because I was hurt and I do recognize that I know. (laughs) It was absolutely inappropriate behavior and I'm really disappointed in myself. He said he struggles with rejection. Really oh, sad. sad. It is Ebony's fault. Yeah, it is. So he said he was. Uh, he said I was angry and upset, <laughs> and there's no excuse for it. I've been brought up with good values, and I'm so distraught that I let my ego get the better of me. He went on. I want to make amends and work on myself so it doesn't happen again. I acted out of character without realizing the harm I was causing. I yeah, I would really not realize the harm I was causing if I called somebody a disgusting fucking fat pig. It was funny. It she was, was laughing. It was cute. <laughs> Women love that shit. And then he said, it may seem like your actions online have no consequences, but they do as I've learned. Oh my God, he's a genius <laughs> as well. He's so smart. But what do you think? Does the apology stand up? No, the apology does not stand up. And there's absolutely no way in hell he would have reflected on it or said sorry. Or, and probably now he doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. It's only because he became a national disgrace. And he lost his job. And he lost his job. It was actual consequences for him. Whereas if Ebony did not share this on her social media, which I've thought about this. So the only reason why we know that this guy didn't spoke to Ebony this way is because she she um, posted his mm-hmm. comments, his like his voice recordings, all the things. Like I think that's also the other thing, the other creepy thing is he didn't just text this yeah. nasty stuff. He recorded his, his voice. voice, and he's angry if he's, you listen. Oh, he's furious. It's, like this, it's a terrifying. Like deep blokes, yeah, man's it's intimidating. Like, oh, oh, it's horrible. And he's like, "Yeah, you think you like you're a, you're a solid four? I wouldn't. Oh. I was only gonna fuck you once. And like, like, like you'd absolutely waste my time. And it's all these terrifying, gross things that he has gone so far out of his way to make sure she felt that felt horrible. And she was coming back like, like I'm really sorry.'" Um, but you, you know, she like she was pretty great. Like she said, yeah. But this was a four you were begging to have sex with. So, <sighs> so she was trying to like stand up for herself. And that in like reading her comments, I'm like, yes. But at the same time, I'm like, get away. Like you've yeah. got to shut it down because yeah. he seems terrifying. So he knows that he's in a position of power, even when he has completely lost control of himself. And you know, he's saying that he was hurt and he had no control. It's not his fault. She, he still knows he's com- got complete power. Yeah. And she knows he had complete power until she actually put it out to the world. It wasn't just her against him anymore. She was like, guys, what do you think about this? I was just called an ugly fat pig, which is so personal. Devastating. And such a nasty thing to call anyone, let alone a young woman who maybe has had issues with how she's looked because she's a woman for fuck's sake. And we are just, and, and he's like, oh, so she put out to him, she's like, oh guys, this is what I, this is what I got. And this is what happens when you reject a bloke on social media. And obviously Australia, well not obviously, amazingly, Australia didn't just feel it wasn't like, oh yeah, this is normal. Like Clementine Ford, there was a number of people who who 
took this and uh, posted about it and was like, this is absolutely broken yeah. that this guy and is so able to common, do this. And so common. Just the, and all these women followed up to say, oh, really similar things have happened to me. Yeah. I've rejected men or I said I, want, I don't want to have sex and men have gotten angry and they felt entitled to my body and my time and I've ended up apologizing just because I didn't want to have sex with someone. Yeah. I didn't want to see them again. And wh- why is it that men feel so entitled to do this? Like to be rejected and then have these kind of reactions as, as if they, 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 I don't know, that they deserve us, they deserve us, and that it's an investment, right? You give a woman attention, you give a woman, you know, some affection, and then they owe you something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has to be, it has to, obviously, if you really pull it apart, it comes down to the fact that women are constantly objectified through every single sense of media. Objectified, 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 completely um, stripped of their identity apart from how they look. And mm-hmm. so on these on these dating apps, and that is what, ha- you're not going to just put up a picture of you looking like... When maybe, I wake up in the morning, yeah. like I've still got eye boogers, I need to do a wee. You're not going to put no. that up. Like you're going to put up one that you think you look... Hot. Attractive. Yeah. Like, come on, this is great. And so if when you put up something like that, this, like, I guess this really broken message that comes through is mm. she definitely wants to have sex with mm, me. Absolutely. And she's so lucky because I have swiped right. Exactly. Yeah. And it was, so I recently have been on the apps, maybe gosh, in June or July. And, um, it was a really confronting experience making one because I was going through my photos and having exactly the same experience of being where, which one do I look the hottest in? Which one is the most likely to get me swipes? And in that moment I was reduced, you know, not from, you know, a, a relatively successful human being who's, you know, got some cool attributes i suppose you know zero zero, zero. Cool. Yeah. zero cool but so I'll many so going. many <laughs> <laughs> to to finding a picture where i looked hot and then the experience of swiping and matching was awful because yeah. every single bloke was judging me on whether or not he thought i was hot in a picture and that really it really reduces you and then you become really reliant on that feedback and you become really reliant on somebody's approval and it minimizes you. So I understand why she reacted in the way she did totally. because her validation and her sense of self, even if she didn't want to have sex with him, was still based on a dating app mm-hmm. and how, how men assessed her and evaluated her on a dating app. So what the dating app, the dating app actually, they, what they do essentially is they make you minimize yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. So you've actually stripped everything back to what you think a bloke is going to find great yeah. or a woman or whatever, whoever you're after. Which is doesn't matter which way you swing. It's got that you're never going to put up a photo where you look like an asshole. Like you're going to yeah. put up a photo where you look like a total dame, and you're like, yes. I, and this this photo was so candid, and I don't take myself too seriously. Exactly, because here's one of me laughing with my mouth open eating salad, <laughs> and I'm not going to mention, you know, that I've got two degrees and a fellowship, or you no, know, and I'm super successful. I'm just going to make a dumb joke about like watching Netflix and having a dog because I don't want to intimidate anybody, right? Yeah, totally. I want to be cute and accessible and likable. Fuck that and yeah. I'm totally bought into it and the guys like um that that the, the idiot that we're talking about right now his it, it LinkedIn was put up and uh. you're like he's the way that he sold I know that on LinkedIn it's different to, to dating apps but the way it is he, <laughs> I should stop DMing all this it's not on career professionals then <laughs> what <laughs> you have got it so wrong you're definitely getting like dumb for sexual harassment <laughs> This creep Claire keeps sending me pictures of her boob. <laughs> but he, 
Um, but he, what was I even talking about? Now I'm just thinking of you sending photos of like to your boss of your boo. Oh my god, no, that is not. It is not on brand for me. Let's talk about when we both dated uh, for two, two best mates dating best mates when oh, we were 18. Because yeah. we went preparing for this episode, we went through a bit of a dating journey through the years. Yeah. And so we we dated two blokes at the same time. Jay and Dave. Shout out to those blokes. Oh, Hope you're good. Um, so we met them, was it at an academy nightclub in Canberra Bay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were the best. So we looked amazing. We did look amazing. <laughs> Don't you even worry about that. But we had, it was, it was one of those wonderful kind of experiences where just how different we are sprung out like beautiful flowers. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. So what happened, bro? Oh gosh. Okay, so we each chose one. I chose As you do. <laughs> yeah, I'll take you. And I We chose the wrong one. I should have chose chosen Dave. Yeah. You should have chosen Jay. Yeah, I guess so. I, I didn't I can't really remember what either of them looked like, but I do remember being like uh, Dave you're you're fine, Lala and Claire you like, Jay, you're the love of my life. <laughs> And you, I just remember you put in so much effort. And I remember when I was 18, I was full of wisdom. And I remember hearing this somewhere and like just completely using it as my motto. It was, treat a man, keep him keen. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, told, on, so I was trying to teach you that. I was like, you don't have to like be an asshole to them, but you don't have to propose every day. What? <laughs> you stop proposing every day. So I was trying to be like, Claire, just pull, you don't have to show them all your feelings. And you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> what? <laughs> I remember telling you this and because you were like, because you just really like this guy, you were like really, really wanted him to like you back. And so you like thought that that meant that telling him everything was the right idea. So remember you telling him, you're like, hey, I really like you. Um, Bron gave me advice and it was treat a mean, keep him keen. What do you think about that? And he was like, well, that's horrible. And then he told Dave and then Dave, next time I saw Dave, he was like, hey, Jay said that Claire said that you said <laughs> treat him mean, keep him keen. I was like, shut up, Dave. <laughs> and now we're all married. <laughs> yeah, but it was like, we were trying to work it out then. We but were. honestly, that was like, yeah. So but we'll, I remember, I remember going, here's, here's a memory that just flashed in my head. What a beautiful memory. You're going to love it because it's about Star Wars. Oh, you love that. Right. Jay and I went to the movies and saw the, the new Star Wars. I think it was episode, you will be very interested in I'm this. I'm fairly this sure it was episode two. Don't I get it wrong. Recall, it was definitely from the remake, or not the remake, the, the one, two, three, right, Brian? Not four, five, six, which are the originals, oh, or seven, eight, nine, which are the new ones. These are the early 2000s ones. I've got to go. Just got to place it for everybody. But it, and I'm really, I really enjoy these kind of movies, right? The whole time I was fixated on how close he was to me and whether or not he was going to hold my hand. Mm. Barely watched the two and a half hour film because the whole time I was like, he's going to do it, he's going to do it, he's going to do it, he's going to touch me. What? Ah, it's, it's the worst. so annoying. But have we actually have we got have you got any better than that, Claire? Oh, mate, that is a good question. I have. I have unequivocally gotten a lot better at kind of valuing myself and valuing my time, but I'm still a hopeless romantic and I think I still mm. invest too much in romance and the idea of romance. I and 100% agree with you. <laughs> really? I do agree with you. What's your feedback, babe? Uh, yeah, I think that you're very... Oh, God, this... Uh, I'm not a romantic person. No. So when Lucas does anything that's slightly romantic, we're both really confused. So we look at each other quite bewildered and we're like, 
when is this when is this moment gonna end? <laughs> that sounds so nice. It's beautiful, but it's fine because that's it's the, the understanding. Vibe. Yeah, yeah. And like, it always feels really forced yeah. if either of us do something like you know romantic. Like su- surprises are nice. Like you know, if you surprise me, it's like oh, we're going out for dinner. You know what we did in the olden days. That was great. But if you like surprise me with like an engagement ring, it's like <laughs> what the hell is going on? But I know that you would absolutely dig that. That's why you got engaged nineteen times. Exactly, it's my hobby. But my, I think that yeah, you're. I do think that it, it maybe makes you think that someone's better than maybe they actually are if they do something romantic a few times. That is so interesting because romance is actually really easy. It's uncomfortable, but it's really easy to surprise someone with a bunch of flowers or surprise someone with this. It doesn't necessarily mean they're any better as a person. So, take that how you will. <laughs> I feel like there's some advice. It just, it just, it's just as a friend, I think that I think that you, yeah, you put more, too much value on romance, and less so on just like who you want to hang out with. Yeah. So you've got a boyfriend. I do. I, know. I do. His name's Lucas. Okay. I love this. So one thing I love about you, Bron, is that you just don't want to fuck with any kind of social conventions and despite being living together and having children you insist on calling him your boyfriend because he is your boyfriend yes i have huge problems with the word partner Mm. other people can use it i never feel weird when other people use it great go for god if you feel comfortable using the word partner and making them seem like your partner in a detective series (laughs) absolutely fine it is a pretty fucked word, isn't it? It's, this is my partner. It's weird. Partner is a, a strange thing. It's what you say in like when you're teaching drama. Everyone grab a partner, grab a partner. But also it's that weird signifier, right? Like you feel proud when you say like, this is my partner. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a part of me. Yeah. Like, in the, the, like the base word is part. It's like he's not a part of me. He's in my life and he's great and I wouldn't change him being in my life. But he's not a part of me. Neither of my kids are not part of me. I'm my own person. Get out of me. My toe is a part of me. My toe is my partner. Exactly, Claire. And hopefully he does something romantic. You mean I'm not your partner? <laughs> he's not my partner. I have problems with the word partner. And, I pro- I, and also, I definitely don't um, ever really want to get married. I might have a party one day, but I don't. I'd never use the word husband. And I would never use the word hubby. And I don't like the word partner. Hashtag love him. Hashtag wife for life. You can have it. It's beautiful. <laughs> but I do find it interesting when people are really standoffish about making someone their boyfriend. Yeah, it's this weird kind of adult fixation, right? Where you need to label it, you need to label it, and you feel this weird pressure of being like, we need to define this, we need to determine this. And the more I think about it, the more it is about kind of modeling to the outside world where you are and where you're at rather than mm. what you actually need. Yeah. And um, oh, yeah, it's completely about what everyone else yeah. thinks. Yeah. And I was I was listening to Esther Perel the other Love day. Her. Yeah, and she she had some really beautiful advice. She was on a podcast by this guy Tim Ferriss. Wait, who's Esther Perel? Esther Perel is a woman. She's a relationship. She's a relationship psychologist. psychologist and she's she has a she has a podcast where she just interviews people like in the throes of difficult relationships. Couples, yeah. And she has a bunch of books and she has really beautiful insights on And a just, wonderful accent. Yeah, I know. What is she? Like, I like, trust her instantly. She's from New Zealand. Belgium. <laughs> same same. <laughs> so she was on this podcast and she was talking about um 
how beautiful impermanence is and how much joy she's had from her life by just acknowledging that nothing lasts and that the moment you have is all that you have. And she was talking about it in the context of Holocaust survivors, which is a whole lot heavier than what we're talking about right now. But she was talking about these two cohorts of people and the first was people who had just survived, that survived the horror and their lives were really restrained and controlled like they covered their good furniture with plastic and they were really wary of strangers and they you know they felt a lot of survivor's guilt and they never lived in the moment they were always kind of anxious about the future and feeling all this grief about the past and then she was talking about the other cohort of people who thrived Mm -hmm. and she was saying they were the ones who found joy in the moment and found laughter but also had this real grasp on how nothing lasts, mm. nothing lasts forever, and all you have is the moment. I think I think connecting this idea to relationships and the fixation on determining things, it's, it's because, particularly as women, we feel that need for validation by somebody saying, I choose you, mm. and we feel that need to present to the world that someone has chosen us. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you call someone, as I well know, your boyfriend or your husband, it doesn't mean that it's forever. All you have is the moment that you have with them now. But the thing that happens is that you're always projecting into what's next. And then because we're socialized to think that getting a man is the apex of our lives and the most important thing we can do, the idea that somebody would or would not choose us becomes about our identity and about ourselves. And so we fixate on this idea of getting commitment and getting a future and doing the next thing and doing the next step because it's about our value and our self-worth. Yeah, in high school I went out with a boy who um, didn't want to use the label boyfriend, even though definitely boyfriend and girlfriend, and I had to pretend that that was absolutely fine. And I was, it was heartbreaking. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, totally, yeah. absolutely. Labels, they're for idiots. But I was just desperately wanting him to say, you're my girlfriend. And then the tables turned when I was about five years later. There was a boy, a man that I was going out with, and I, he was like, so am I your boyfriend? And I was like, shut up, Dave. <laughs> it was, it was um, I was like, oh, why do we have to put a label on it? And at that point, I tricked myself into thinking that the boy in high school had a point. But really, I just knew that none of my mates actually liked him. So I didn't want it. And I knew that he wasn't oh, going to be there for much longer. And I no. didn't want him to introduce me as his girlfriend. I didn't feel like he was going to hang around for much longer. So I was like, why labels, whatever. But really, I, like, I was just being a dick. And it was, like, how hard would it have been for me to just be like, yeah, fine, like, that's great. But also, I mean, there is a different level. Like, if you're just hanging out with someone, you don't have to break up with them, right? But if you label it boyfriend and girlfriend, then you break up and it becomes a thing. I mean, you still have to say, I don't want to hang out with you anymore if you're hanging out and touching rude bits. Can't you just never text them again? You are Thomas McGurk. Obviously, I would never do that. I'm the opposite person yes. who would ever do that. You're just talking about personal experience. That's all you do. You just totally ghost them and that person, let that person cry themselves to sleep. Exactly. Or in the bath, you just let them example. die inside a little bit for a little while and maybe forever. No, you still have to have a conversation yeah, as hard do. as they are. Yeah, conversation. Oh, painful. Yeah, but I think... I've you... had the biggest one of those conversations this year and it was horrendous. About breaking up? My marriage. Yeah. Yeah, so if I you can have no that... I have no idea you're married. <laughs> have we spoken about it? <laughs> On the podcast. 
podcast? I have no idea. Did we drop an entire episode where we met our listeners guess who was getting divorced? I reflection that was a bit fucked up. No, but hilarious. you guys are here for it. Yeah, and there was actually a number of people text me and they're like, like my family, oh Bron, I was sitting on the edge of my seat for that episode. I was so worried your family fell apart. I was like, No, it's just Claire's. <laughs> Everything's fine. I won. <laughs> Hashtag who cares. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag wife for life. <laughs> but if you if you are if you are finding yourself in one of those situations where no one wants to put a label on it, there's gotta be something to that. And I reckon it's bullshit if someone doesn't want to put a label on it. In my experience, if someone doesn't want to put a label on it, they're just not that into you. Yeah. And they're just waiting for to, for you to just not be there anymore, but you're convenient at the time. But if you are that kind of person who is saying, I just don't want a label, um, maybe you have some insight that we are, well, I'm not really understanding. Um, I, but when it comes to like marriage, when you're talking about Esther Perel saying the permanence is, to, is something that we, we put too much value on. Why do we want something to last forever? That is one of the reasons why I, don't, I find marriage really strange. It's mm. like that promise that they, like the, I, I have no intention of breaking up with Lucas. He's actually a really good bloke. He's a great dad. All of these wonderful things. But I don't want that pressure on my no. my relationship to be like, we are together forever. Pinky promise. And they're like, make everyone stand in front of us and say, see, we'll never end. We promise forever. Like, because that works well. <laughs> exactly. What is a divorce right now? Commit to you in front of all your friends. God, and my wedding vows just flashed through my head. But I think I think that's a that's a shift in our generation, right? We're more accepting of the idea that perhaps some things aren't forever and that relationships can be for a period of time and that can still be a success. And I really believe in that. You know, like Wally and I were together yeah. for ages. Eight, eight, eight years. years. Yeah. And really which is a really long time. We've got two kids and we're we're learning how to be friends and that's a success. Like I don't yeah. I don't feel that it's something I have to regret or rue or feel bad about. I mean obviously there are elements of it that didn't work, but I'm ready for whatever's next to me. And, you know, there will probably be quite a few whatever's next to me yep. in the iterations of my life. I'm only 33. There's a long way to go. And who the fuck knows I'm going to be like a 43 or 53. It's I will be a changed person and I will want different things. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this, your relationship breakdown would have been different or received differently if you never got married? Interesting. I think... I think the perception from some of my more conservative relatives would have been different, but it would have been different at the get-go. Yeah. From, you know, the look down on for having babies out of wedlock, for mm. example, and something I also don't give a shit about. And I think that the religious connotations of making a commitment, which is framed in a particular way, have put a different weight on it. And also just administratively, you know, yeah. I have to get, I have to pay money just so the state stops, stops recognising yeah. my relationship, and that's messed up. Um, I think it would be easier because I wouldn't have to worry about paperwork. Yeah. But I, I guess it shows to me that marriage as a concept actually means so little that for me it doesn't change anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. But you were very like, – again, your wedding was beautiful and I don't think that any anyone regret, regrets it happening. No. Um, I regret your, you not wearing your first dress that you chose. <laughs> I um, regret this friendship. <laughs> <laughs> but I wonder, like, with uh, when I first got together with Lucas, I remember his mum and dad were a bit taken aback 
by us not being married mm. when we had Olive. Mm. And I remember feeling really personally upset that they had that view and not actually, and this is because I had a baby when I was like 15 years old. Well, I wasn't really, but I was so young. I was 26 or something, 27. So young. So young. So young. And I knew nothing then, but at the time I was like full of, full of like, uh, um, fake self-assurance where I was like of course I'm making the right decision I knew that marriage sat funny with me and I was never keen on doing it but I was still quite shaken by people's um, views on it mm. so when someone was like well of course you get married if you have a kid I remember being really um, I remember being really personally attacked by that mm. and, with, and now I'm like oh well like we have different views on that that's yeah. great and but at the time when and now Lucas's parents don't care at all in fact his mum's like everyone should everyone should be together for seven years and then move find a new person which is amazing she might actually go yes. with my life cycles very well <laughs> like, thanks Yola really <laughs> but so people will chop and they'll change and I reckon if someone is like if you feel, feel really rattled by someone else's opinion on how you see relationships and there's got to be something to like are you actually that sure of your opinion in the first place or are you sure i'm that sure that your opinion of yourself because i've realized through my life that perhaps over investing in romantic relationships is just a way of kind of avoiding what i you know my own relationship with myself and my own self-esteem because if you need somebody else to validate you that much you're missing something internally so do you think you're still learning that? Oh, absolutely. God. Yeah. And I think it'll take me a really long time to learn it properly and maybe for maybe forever. And I think, again, it's a really common female experience where, as I was saying before, your self-worth comes from somebody else's idea of you, particularly yeah. a man's idea of you. And that's something you have to really unpack and work on. Mm. And, I, you know, I'm not convinced I'll ever be able to fix it, but at least I'm aware of it. Oh, Whereas yeah. 10 years ago, I would not have been. I would not be able to see it or articulate it or understand it or know it was there. Now, I, at least I know. Yeah. And imagine 10 years ago, you bumping into Thomas McGurk online oh, and my him God. saying things like that to you. It would have broken you. And now I would just be like, you're a piece of shit yeah. and fuck you. But it still would hurt. Oh, it would hurt, but it wouldn't be, like, devastating. Yeah. No, it wouldn't be devastating, but it would just, it would, because he's so unhinged, it would be like, wow, this is totally about you, not about me. Mm. But still, when someone throws so many personal attacks at you, it's terrific. And do you know what else is, before we finish, do you know what else was really messed up is there was another lady, Erin something, I can't remember her last name, but she came out afterwards and was like, oh, I know that guy. He abused me terrifically. Oh, no. I actually had one night stand with him. And then when he tried to follow, like he tried to say, oh, let's have do that again. I said, look, I... I don't think we had anything in common. I'm not really keen on pursuing things. Mm. Completely okay. That is like a really honest, very easy to understand response to yeah. I don't want to see you again. Yeah. Doesn't hurt. Like maybe it hurts a bit, but it's not like a, this is because I think you're ugly or fat or yeah, or yeah. And so we didn't have anything in common. Great. And surely he would have seen that as well. And then he came back with a tirade of abuse for her. And so she came out and said, okay, like, you know, you guys are all supporting Ebony. Wonderful. Just so you know, he did this to me as well. And so there were people who came back to me like, oh my God, Erin, this is horrific. You poor thing. But a lot of people actually came back with abuse for her, which oh. was who has sex on the first date and commenting on how she looks, of course, of course, he would have said these things to you. Look how you're dressed. They totally picked apart her, how she looked, how like, and totally called her like totally slut shamed her for having sex on the first date. But I didn't have any feedback for him on having sex on the first date. Good. So we still took like, these things. We attack the woman. Yeah, totally. So even though we were like we we are he we've dragged this guy into the spotlight and been like, this is a bad person. This is bad behaviour. What also came out from that is 
but we will not go away. Yeah. No, and no, no. So a woman is definitely at fault here. Somehow. And you should expect it. You should expect it. It doesn't matter if you if you go on the app, you should expect it. If you reject someone, you should expect it. If you have sex with someone, you should expect it. This is part of your lot. Yeah. Totally. Uh, dick pics. Uh, you just well done. Here. I got a bunch when I went on. A yeah. bunch. Yeah. So far, two goes on the internet. It's like I like that lady. I'm gonna send her my dick. It's disgusting. disgusting. It's so invasive and so shocking. And just what do you reckon's gonna happen with, with your dick pics? <laughs> I think that this is gonna go on. I think that more people are gonna come out and try and uh, call out this behaviour yeah, more. Agree. And I think maybe there's gonna be some guys who've been a bit rattled by how much Thomas um, have had to face the music. Yeah. So hopefully there's someone who's gonna think, oh, okay, maybe I won't do that. But that isn't that isn't like you know, even though it's great, they're not gonna do it. That motivation or that intention behind changing is not because oh my god that really hurt that lady. It is I got called out exactly. <laughs> and what's so true, I don't know what really gets to me is that these interactions show how slow the changes are. You know we've had me too. We've had a real change in how we expect men to treat women and how we expect mm-hmm. women to treat themselves. And it's it's not going far enough because if a bloke like that who's you know privileged, well educated, has a great job will still be such a piece of shit to all the women around mm. him and say he's just bad at dealing with rejection. We've not gone that far. Yeah, I'm I really I didn't realise. I'm really sorry. I, it's not it's my, not my fault. My actions have consequences. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is with his response? It was really bad. So I think what we can learn from that is if you are on the dating apps, it's not to say go off them. If you are on there trying to find someone to hang out with or whatever you're after, if someone speaks to you badly, do not apologize no. for being honest with them. No. You need to be maybe do whatever Ebony did put it on. Like, I don't put it on the internet. Exactly. I would be yeah. Just post it, and it doesn't have to be your face or your anything. It just it is. The, they are the people that are doing the wrong thing. It could just be posting what they've said to you, and then maybe that will then turn into that person's uh, having to face the music. Yeah, and it's not okay. It's not. And it's okay to block them. It's okay to delete them. Don't apologize. And if you are dating someone, I guess expect expect good treatment. Expect parameters. And if you don't get it, get rid of them. We are we, bye we're worth by Dave, by Dave. We are worth more than what we expect for ourselves is the takeaway message here. Yeah. yeah. And I'm still not married. I'm not married. Never. And I'm still married. Yeah. <laughs> this is worth I'll be married for both of us. <laughs> Thanks for getting married for me. That's okay, you're welcome. So you guys we've been good shields and we love you so much. Have a great week. Bye.